Ahoy, and they're also known as Hunter. Hello there, I'm History of the Flash, but you could call me JD. And welcome to your story episode 62. Ha ha, I remembered. Uh, for those of you joining <laughs> us on... Occurrence. Yeah, first time. For those of you just joining us on a Hero Story, Hero Story is a podcast all about DC and Marvel superheroes. We usually start off with our episodes by going over all the news that came out this week via live action gaming comic. Then we go over the comics of the week. This week's comics, we're only going to be really reviewing two major ones, which was Doomsday Clock, issue 11, and Justice League, issue 31. Those are the ones that we'll go really in-depth over. But, like, the Green Lantern, number 11, came out. House of X, number 4? Yeah, number 4 yep. came out. A few others, but Justice League and Doomsday Clock are the one we're really, ones we're really going to dive into. But this week, there wasn't much news. So, JD, you want to tell them what's going on with that? So, in today's uh, episode, in place of uh, news, we'll be covering our top 10 comic book movies of all time. I think we'll do it at the end of the episode, but yeah. uh, we we got our top 10 comic book movies. We ranked them 10, uh, 1 to 10. and Different yeah, lists, we might make some, probably. <laughs> some salty people. Yeah, we, we haven't gone over uh, what we have. I'm sure we have some similar movies, but... Yeah, I have no idea what he has. I don't know what we have. Yeah, and that's yep. not just MCU movies. It's MCU, DCEU, X-Men, Sony, whatever we like. So, top ten in order. So, with that being said, we're actually going to start with the comics of the week, starting with the highly anticipated Doomsday Clock number 11. It actually came out, despite saying November at the very bottom. So, oh, going over the November part real quick, there's heavy rumors going around that even though... Did the November solicitations come out? Yeah, they came yeah. out, but uh, Gary Frank said that they're aiming for November for the release of Doomsday Clock 12, and a Newsarama article also said that, so as of I... right now, it's looking like November for number 12, but we know this series. If it comes out in November, that would make officially two years, because the first one came out in November of 2017, so. I feel like it actually will come out in November. I feel like Gary Frank tends to, I know he's like, oh, it's coming out then, oh, never mind, but that might be due to... Jeff Johns, maybe rewriting some things here and there. Well, well, well yeah, I think uh, we might not find... I was talking about this in a group chat. I, I think we won't find out for maybe a few years, but like through these comic book articles, one day we'll find out that there were big Doomsday Clock rewrites that I think Johns had some original end, but between, I guess, Heroes in Crisis and Bendis Superman changing things and Legion of and Superheroes Legion. changing things... Uh, I think John's had to do significant rewrites to Doomsday Clock. I mean, I, that's the only way I could explain the uh, delays. I, I I don't think it's Gary's art because he as well, Gary Gary Frank has done monthly books. He was on Action Comics with Jeff, and you know those weren't delayed. So I don't know why he would just randomly delay now. So I, I got to think that there was already art done, and then they did massive rewrites. Yeah, I, maybe we'll get Doomsday Clock documentary one day. <laughs> behind the scenes of the controversy. We'll be, we'll be hosting it. Exactly. A hero story special featuring Jeff Johnson <laughs> and Gary Frank on the show talking about what went wrong. But The dream. Yeah, episode... Uh, we're on 62 now, so probably it'll be episode 65 or something. So you got, you got some time <laughs> until we get those... <laughs> got like three weeks to prepare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so want to go over a little recap? For those who don't know, Doomsday Clock is an incredible comic. It's a sequel to Watchmen, and it's hard to recap this. Uh, I'm just recapping where we're at right now. Uh, looks like nukes are about to be launched, and Batman's trying to stop them. Meanwhile, every single superhero in the world is unconscious on Mars, <laughs> thanks to Dr. Manhattan, besides Superman, who was in a coma or something? He's and just Wonder waking Woman, up. who was protecting the uh, UN. Yeah. So the Trinity are the only like active superheroes right now. Yeah. And then there's Ozymandias kind of putting his plan together. This is kind of very much a evil speech issue, I would say. If that yeah. makes sense. So yeah, yeah this this issue is a little hard to recap. I mean, I'm terrible at recapping anyway, as you could tell by every other episode of a hero story. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this issue truly jumps all over the place because Doom with the Clock has a lot of threads, which is a question of how they'll finish this. But anyway, uh in the end of last issue, Black Adam was attacking the UN because all the superheroes are not on Earth. Only Wonder Woman is there, and he says that he's making a move for his country. Uh, so Wonder Woman is facing off against uh, Giganta and Black Adam, and well, she's struggling because Black Adam is very strong, and she's only one person. So, uh, but there's rumors that the Amazons will come on to help Wonder Woman. 
Uh, meanwhile, well, Lex Luthor help not necessarily by fighting, but by getting her out of there and bringing yeah, her back to like the, the, the news report says, "Won't the Amazons come to the Wonder Woman's aid?" But yeah, they they're not there to help; they're just there to take her back. Yeah. Um, Lex Luthor and Lois uh, have a discussion while they go down a hallway. I thought this was actually really well written. This was the best part. <laughs> um, it's funny because. Lois even calls out uh, Lex for like smiling when he sees Superman struggling on TV. Yeah, she's like, but, uh, off your face. <laughs> but uh, Lex is starting to explain and uh, unravel everything for the audience, like what is truly happening with this whole Project Doomsday, or sorry, uh, Doom- Doomsday Clock. Hey! <laughs> Project Doomsday, <laughs> wrong thing. <laughs> Got in my mind. Uh, Clark wakes up from his coma. And uh, he's looking for Lois, but she's obviously with Lex, so uh, can't help. Um, meanwhile, the Na- uh, Nathan, what are those things called? Nathan something show? Huh? The, the movies that have been playing in the background? Oh, the Nathan old something? actor that was Dr. Manhattan's friend. Yeah, it, it's still playing. Um, I, I feel like you have to why. read it all in one sitting to try to understand it. it. It's like the comic that was inside of Watchmen. Yeah, with the pirate. And, and it's like... Yeah, and it's like a metaphor for Ozymandias. Like, once you have everything, are you truly the best? And, like, is there any regret? And Kay. obviously regret. So. Yeah, going over that, though, I like that they're doing this. It's kind of like the comic, <laughs> which is the slowest part of Watchmen, but it's good to read. I think it's better on, like, a second reading, so then you fully understand Definitely. it. Definitely. But, so maybe this will be better on a second reading. The thing is, I like that they're actually having... Not, it's not just this TV show playing. Like, the actor plays a role in uh, two issues ago when he was friends with Dr. Manhattan. But yeah. seeing it now, I still don't really get it. Like, con- being like a metaphor, it's like, oh, that's deep. But why is this old show from the 50s playing on, like, store TVs? I mean, like I said, I feel like you have to read it all in one sitting to try to, try to understand, like... If you went back and read Watchmen issue by issue, month by month, the comic inside probably would have made no sense. It's just like another oh, story. Yeah. So, Good point, yeah. Good point. So I, I think maybe when we get to trade one day and we're reading it all in one sitting, it's like, oh, okay, that's what that was. I think it'll be a metaphor for something. Like I, I thought that when uh, John was talking to, to the actor Carver Coleman and uh, he met him at like once a year, I felt like that was a metaphor for humanity changing, like how he becomes like he's up first. He's like a hungry actor who just wants to get into the business and, you know, do good things. And then eventually he kind of becomes like a greedy actor who just wants to know like what's happening in his future. Like he doesn't really, I felt like he didn't really care about John as much. Uh, yeah. We had some debate over that, but anyway, um, we'll see what the metaphor is for the actual like movie itself. Cause the movie has been playing for since like issue two. Yeah. Basically. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, Lex reveals to Lois Lane that he has this picture. And the picture is of John before he was Dr. Manhattan with, uh, I don't wife. even remember her name. His wife, yeah, his wife when they're at the it carnival. Was... The, the famous picture from Watchmen, like the only picture of Dr. Manhattan. And why does Lex have it? If you remember in, I think, issue nine, Jessica Cruz finds it on Mars and she says, what is this photograph? Yeah, she Not did. like Nickelback. Um, anyway, it's <laughs> a <laughs> bad reference. Uh, anyway, uh, Lex reveals of where he found it, and he found it in the place where Wally West returned, which means Lex was there the night of DC Rebirth number one when Barry said to Wally, how could I ever forget you? Lex you, was creeping in the background. <laughs> you probably read that and grinned like Lex did when he saw Superman struggling. Oh, I grinned. Um, <laughs> but lying there in the grass, he found the photograph of john which is kind of weird like i i could see people photoshopping maybe like the whole famous scene of how can i ever forget you and like looks with her in the background behind a bush (laughs) it's kind of weird that he was there yeah i I thought the same thing i was like okay that's that's kind of odd i understand like it's not cheesy it's not like they just threw him in like he was following wally's radiation so yeah it's just like now, if I when I reread DC Rebirth number one, it's just like Lex is creeping. <laughs> he's, uh, right, he's right there. Yeah, but uh, the photo turns out to be uh, a duplicate because there's so many versions of this photo, and this photo is every every single one is absolutely identical in every single way. So Lex has a team finding every photo all across all across the world. He found one in the Congo just a few days ago. Uh, he found one in 1938, or there was one that was in 1938 rather. Yeah, it appeared then, but he 
recovered it obviously when yeah so 1938 you could put you could piece the dates together 1938 first appearance of superman which we covered in the last issue with the metaverse so mm-hmm. the pictures have d- directly linked to the metaverse every time dr manhattan goes to a new time period the picture the is left views. behind and you why see... the picture is left behind we're not really all that sure yet but i think it's interesting and we don't know one thing that i, I saw a comment on this on reddit that i thought was interesting does dr manhattan know he's leaving this or does he have no idea? Um, I feel like he has no idea, but maybe it's on purpose. If you go to page 13, uh, you see Lexus explaining to Lois, and then it cuts to the scene of Dr. Manhattan. You see Dr. Manhattan teleport, and a picture lands behind him. Yeah. Which I just noticed right now as we're <laughs> kind of rereading yeah. this. So yeah, no, I think it's possible that he leaves it on purpose as kind of a clue, but at the same time, why would he? But if he didn't notice, like, he's the he knows all, like... He could see the future. He could see the past. Like he would see the picture. So maybe, yeah. He leaves maybe. it as his trail of humanity. You uh, want to just continue on this picture scene and go to the like the end thing? Yeah. So, uh, so the picture shows up at uh, like certain periods in the DC universe and our universe. So uh, in 1981, when uh, there was an attempted assassination on President Ronald Reagan, the picture was there. Uh, Doctor Manhattan watched it happen, <laughs> which is like okay, very weird. <laughs> very very weird. Uh, but anyway, um, the pictures at the end, uh, they have like all of them taped up and they have, uh, item two through 11, like listed, uh, where it was found. So, uh, some of them are very interesting. Yeah. So do you want to just, uh, read them off the ones that you liked or you want to read them all? We could read them all and see if we think of a timeline of why Manhattan was there. So March 19th, 1952, what happened then? That was uh, Carver Coleman. That was what we saw when Carver Coleman was becoming a big actor. So he left it in his dressing room at the 25th. uh, That's when he won the award. Okay. Next one's July 1940 outside a train wreck. That's uh, Alan Scott. Green. Yeah. Alan Scott Green Green Lantern's origin. Yeah. In a train crash. Uh, Item four, a booth in April 18th, 1955. Uh, In a diner. 1955 is around the silver age of DC, but... It was in a diner, which is where Manhattan met Carver. Right, right. Okay. In Hollywood. Yeah, so that's the Carver-Coleman thing, Dr. Manhattan meeting the actor. Uh, November 1940 uh, in Manhattan. Yeah, it's found with Wesley Dodds, who is the Sandman from the Justice Society, Golden Age hero. And they mentioned him, Wesley Dodds. Yeah, so Manhattan might have just went to kill him because he was taking out uh and that's interesting because it says he kept it until his death in 1986 1986 is when dc relaunches and some of the characters are kind of forgotten about in Christ okay Christ. yeah i wonder why he kept so, it. so they show that people oh, that's very interesting I, w- I want them to die more like how is there only one issue left there's so much i want to cover. see yeah i want to see like a prequel to this <laughs> i want to uh, see like a right, mini series so... of lex finding these yeah <laughs> item six uh found in a cemetery in smallville kansas so this is when uh Superman Silver Age. Yeah, this is maybe right. Nineteen nineteen fifty six is when DC started the Silver Age. Yeah, it was in and a then, cemetery, so maybe his parents died. Yeah, yeah, that that could definitely be it. Yeah, no, parents, because they did die together at the end of the Golden Age, right? Like his yeah. father's in the bed, and it's like so cheesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, after father, that, I will. Because <laughs> after that, his dad died from a heart attack. After the next reboot in the New Fifty Two, they died in a car crash. But this one, they died in a bed, so they died together. Yeah. Clark Kent's parents. Uh, and then in 1986, the next one that's in Smallville, that's when the Man of Steel miniseries was relaunched uh, alongside Batman Year One. So that's the John Byrne one. Okay. Another DC reboot. And then uh, recently, the next one is recently found in Arkham Asylum with a John Doe, 5'8 African American, which is Rorschach, too. Oh, yeah. So that's like right away. <laughs> yeah, that's Reggie. And yeah. Then, so that was like, uh, in, in continuity wise, that was like a month ago. Not even. Yeah, and then item nine is found in the Congo. That's the one that like he was just talking about with Lois. I assume yeah. it was Manhattan, but I have no idea like how that connects back. And then uh, item ten is found during a Nathaniel Dusk marathon, which was the the movies Carver that Coleman, Car- Carver yeah. Coleman's in. So yeah, perhaps Manhattan went back to observe his old friend. And then, yeah, 
And then number eleven's uh, Joker. Item eleven safe finds house. it Joker safe house. And then on the following page, uh, item twelve is not a picture of John and his wife. It's a picture of Barry and Jay from the cover of Flash one twenty three, where they first meet in the Silver Age, which, which is the first issue of the multiverse ever. Where it's like, help me, Flash, and they both say, "I'm coming" at the same time. Do you know the story behind that story? I do. Yes. You want to just tell me real quick? For, for the readers who don't, uh, for the readers, for the listeners who don't know, uh, Carmine Infantino, uh, the, the way Julius Schwartz, the editor of DC in the Silver Age, decided to make a good story is you need a good cover. So the artist would draw up a cover and then the writer would have to try to come up with a story behind the cover. Really wacky concept. It would never happen today, but it's interesting. So uh, Carmine Infantino used to like to piss off the writers and like try to make the hardest one for them to uh, to try to make, you know, for looking at some of his covers, the Flash gaining 900 pounds or the Flash with a gigantic head. Like he clearly had a sense of humor. So in this one, he decided, why don't I put the Flash and the old Flash together in the same page and let him try to explain his way out of that one? So Carmine Infantino playing a prank on his writer turned into the DC multiverse. Crazy how comics happen. <laughs> yeah. It was just a joke. And then now. I wonder if he's proud of that, or he's like, "Oops, <laughs> now they're well, complicated." Carmen Infantino's dead now, but I'm assuming that, like, once Christ on Infinite Earth happened, he had to feel some kind of responsibility. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, this yeah, um, this photo itself was found in Central City at the site of the first discovery of John's photograph. So it was the first discovery of the first picture they found, I guess. Yeah, and he talked about how the world that the Justice Society came from no longer exists which was originally Earth 2 back in the Silver Age, but has changed significantly over the years. And he believes that the universe is ever-evolving, uh, and he's lived past lives alongside Superman, so Lex is starting to realize all the reboots happening around him. And it's an endless loop between Superman and himself, because despite every era of DC, Superman and Lex Luthor have always existed and rivaled. So that is a very interesting concept. I, I thought the pictures were a good way to show it. They were, yeah. Actually, pictures a lot more on the second way around, like reading them a little deeper. Uh, yeah, I didn't really. I kind of just skimmed through that originally, all the picture yeah. locations. But it's cool that we actually figured out where all they came from, which yeah. I didn't expect. Hey, yeah. we know our comics. Da -da -da. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, the president uh, is put kind of put like a bounty on Superman. Uh, he wants the National Guard to take him in because uh, the. The Russia thinks that Russia thinks that he committed the Firestorm Act, like he, which was blew a killing firestorm. several innocent people by accident. Yeah. Like Firestorm turned a bunch of innocents to glass by accident, and then the military always tried to shoot a Firestorm, and ended up shooting the glass, killing people for good. And yeah. Superman was just there trying to stop it, but from the media yeah. standpoint, it just kind of looks like he was fighting with Firestorm against military. So yeah. So Superman says, like, there's no need to be, like, violent. You know, if I, if the president has an issue with me, I'll go discuss it with him. And he flies through the ceiling. So uh, meanwhile, um, Ozymandias is, has Saturn Girl and Johnny Thunder kind of trapped in his little prisons. And uh, Saturn Girl could read his mind. Well, can't read his mind particularly, but knows that he's his head is full of lies. But Ozymandias is very confident here. Uh, our, our friend Jay, Comic Prince, called him... Uh, He's like a lot like a handlebar mustache type guy here, like yeah, like one of those like classic twirl. movie villains. Um, actually, that Jay, that's part of why Jay didn't like it. I, I mean, I think it's fine. I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I mean, it's Ozzy Mandeus. You got to look back to the original Watchmen. He did the same thing, like a yeah. villain speech. Yeah, and even comments like "I'm not a I'm not a movie villain," <laughs> which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's very confident around Saturn Girl and his plan. Uh, he talks about how his original plan was to find John and convince him to come back to the Watchmen Earth so he could save it from nuclear salvation. But he realized that John would never listen to him and that there was something more desirable on this Earth for him. So he made his way to this Earth and he talked about how he uh, tricked Mime and Marionette and uh, Rorschach too. And like the way he talks about Rorschach too, I feel really bad because like he really played him. Like he let him believe wearing the Rorschach mask was like honoring his father despite Rorschach, Rorschach. <laughs> ruining his family. And yeah. Yeah, so that, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, but uh, Ozymandias still kind of views himself as the hero and he says that he came up with a new plan to save both of the worlds and 
Uh, he thought that in order for things to change, that it has to hit rock bottom. So the Superman theory came about because he needed the world against Superman. And then he lays out how each step along the way, uh, he found out that the White House used Professor Martin Stein to make metahumans, and that's how Firestorm came about. So once he got Firestorm involved, he put the pressure from the media and Russia, and then that led to Superman going to Russia. Like everything connects back to Ozymandias, which is insanely cool to me. Like I, I, I know like our buddy Jay didn't like it. I like it. I, I think that's very Watchmen esque. Yeah, uh, I guess how everything could tie back. I think that's a pop. That's a popular opinion. Enjoying this, it is very Watchmen. Like this whole thing was set up by Ozymandias again. Yeah, and then. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then Saturn Girl talks about, like, it doesn't matter what you do because I've seen the future and it exists because of Superman. And this is, like, the craziest part of the uh, issue to me. And he's like, oh, uh, if Superman is so important to you and your existence, then let me ask you one thing. Does Superman remember you? And Saturn Girl's like, no. And this is the first time that Ozymandias is, like, has the advantage over Saturn Girl. Like, she's starting to realize. And uh, his theory is that... He, she is no longer part of this timeline, but she hasn't realized it yet. And she starts to fade away into dust. Like the infinity gauntlet just snapped and she starts to say long live, which would have been the Legion, but yeah. uh, Ozymandias finishes instead and says our world. And there's nothing but a Legion ring there. So I was like, Holy crap. And uh, Johnny thunder's crying. And uh, <laughs> Ozymandias is like, Oh, quit your crying old man. You're from the past and the past <laughs> won't be erased. So uh, awesome that and kind of, uh, did erase the past yeah yeah because he moved the green lantern i feel like again. this is a rewrite though i feel like yeah, this wasn't the I, original I plan i think it's i think it's definitely a rewrite to make saturn girl disappear this is what i talked about with the delays i, I think we'll find out years from now uh because saturn girl really I, I guess she was kind of important in the plot but like i felt like she was kind of just around in the background but there was really no need for her to disappear Unless Bendis was changing things with the Legion. Yeah. So when Bendis got the Legion title, which happened during Doomsday Clock, perhaps there were rewrites which led to massive delays. Yeah, exactly. Because Bendis would have had news that he was getting the Legion, like, in. I'm going to say March. When he first came to DC. Because when he first came to DC, he was talking about how he wanted Superman action, and then he talked to them about bringing back Young Justice and the Legion. So. And probably more teams doing Bendis. <laughs> Does a society title, please? Uh, not from Bendis. Not from Bendis. No, 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 I do want a JSA title. <laughs> yeah, God, uh, not from Bendis. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I like Bendis. But anyway, uh, the the issue ends with uh, Superman flying through very quickly, and he flies uh, to Doctor Manhattan, and Manhattan says, "In sec, in six seconds, Superman will see me." Five, four, three, two, one. And then they're face to face, and he says, "It is now. It is Superman. It is me. It is us. It is the world. It is time." And then Ozymandias says, "It's time," and that's where the issue ends. They give me chills. <laughs> <laughs> Reading that the first time, I was like, "Oh God, that's a good yeah. ending." It's very Manhattan-esque to talk like that. So countdown. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the issue? I actually liked it a lot more the second time around. Uh, the first time I wasn't like I, I liked it, but I wasn't crazy about it. But now I'm like that got me way more hyped just reading it back it's again. Very much a planning issue. I mean, there's no action at all. You see Wonder Woman like one panel fighting and Superman game yeah. punched. Besides that, but next time we already kind of know what's going to happen on like the first page or something is Superman's going to run in Manhattan and punch him. And then we don't know what's going to happen then. Dr. Manhattan says there's two possible things. Superman kills me or I destroy the world. Yeah, so. I destroy. Yeah, Superman destroys me or I destroy everything. So um, I love this issue now. I love the series, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. How are they going to wrap this up in one issue? I, I feel like there's just so many plot points to go over. They're, it's got to be double-sized. I mean... I mean, I haven't heard anything about it. I would guess that it, it would be a bigger issue, but it just it just feels like, you know, you got to finish out the mime and marionette story, right? Their kid and what that becomes. I yeah, will say they don't. That, that, that was another thing that was revealed in this issue. Uh, John didn't kill mime and marionette that day in the bank because marionette's child got put up for adoption and was adopted by Lori. Yeah, which was uh, the girl that... That's not Silk Spectre, is it? Yeah, no. that's Silk Spectre. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, yeah, that's what I was like. But she seemed to be with a different guy and not Night Owl. 
Yeah. So at the end of Watchmen, her and Night Owl are getting all cozy, but maybe Night Owl will appear next. Oh, that's just supposed to be like another version, of, like a future version of Night Owl, but it didn't really look like him. No, I didn't. Maybe it is, but I guess that'll be a question for Gary Frank on Twitter. But uh, anyway, um, I thought that was a pretty interesting connection. Like finally explaining why he didn't kill my Marionette on the spot. Like why was their kid so important? To be honest, I was kind of expecting their kid to be important in the sense of being like a meta or something like that, but I'll take it. Oh, that would be interesting because it's the Watchmen universe, so there aren't any metas besides Dr. Manhattan yeah, that, that's why I thought like that's the only reason he would stop it, but I guess he only stopped it because Laurie. But whatever. Um, I do like the Alfred plot in this issue. How yeah, he makes pancakes for, uh, for Rorschach, too. Rorschach 2, and when he goes to him, Rorschach 2 wants nothing to do with him because he's like, you put me in jail, and Alfred finally read Rorschach's journal, and he finally understands. Yeah. So, but Rorschach doesn't want anything to do with it. Rorschach's nightmare was pretty interesting, too. Rorschach has a nightmare where uh, he sees his father walking into the prison to go talk to Rorschach 1, and he feels like he can stop, and he's like, Dad, wait, stop, and right as his dad walks in, like a big fire, fiery explosion happens, and then he wakes up. So, also, but I, yeah, I, yeah. I just feel like we have so many plot points to finish, right? So you have the Superman versus Manhattan, which can't be short. Like well, that has to be the main focus of the issue. Yeah. You have my marionette story of where Two. that's going. You have They're the comedian die. story. <laughs> like the comedian is kind of just in the background doing stuff. Three. He was up here for like a panel in this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening with Rorschach too? Uh, what's his future? Uh, Ozymandias, how his plan connects to it all. Will Superman Fine. and Manhattan possibly team up and take down Ozymandias? How does that work? Uh, Lex Luthor with the Wally West plot and Lois Lane, how she plays into Six. it. Uh, Black Adam. Uh, the whole, the Black Adam, uh, yeah, attacking Seven. the UN. Uh, Bat- the whole Russian subplot. Yeah, uh, Batman trying Superman. to stop the nukes. The, the Superman theory and all the heroes on Mars. There's like 10 different stories that you got to tell here in one issue. There must Ooh. be an epilogue or something. Like, I bet we'll get, like, a regular size issue, but then the end will be, like, ten pages of, like, epilogue. I guess, but I don't know. I just feel like it, it feels like it can almost go, like, another, you know, six to twelve issues just because there's so much to unwrap. Yeah. How does the Legion factor into this? How does the JSA factor into this? Do they return at the end of this? I mean... Why is Nightwing Nightwing again? How do you catch up to the one... Like, do you do a one-year-later event? Well... According to Scott Snyder, writer of Justice League, um, when this book is finished, then it's writer's jobs to finish what they're doing and then work on cashing up, setting up. So, Star of Doomsday Clock, The World Hates Batman. That's one thing that okay. the next Batman writer will probably have to work on. Like, he doesn't have a choice. Um, okay. Rick Grayson's going to have to go. They got to find a way to get Alfred back to life. <laughs> yeah, Alfred's going to come back to life. Uh, I guess now you don't have to figure out the Legion, but you got to figure out how the JSA, like how the JSA subplot is so confusing because the JSA looks like they're going to return in this book and then they're going to get their own book, right? JSA is appearing in Justice League, but that's like a time travel thing. So that's okay. But at the same time, Barry in his own book, read Jay as a comic book. He should recognize Jay. But in today's Justice League issue, he's like, I feel like I recognize you from somewhere, but I don't know where. I forgot about that. He he literally (laughs) just saw him in a comic book in his own series. So, why would he not wreck it? Like, it's just, it, it's really weird. It feels like it doesn't connect, even though I, I would think Williamson's title would connect with Snyder's title since they talk so much, but. That's a good point. And I was thinking like, oh, I feel like I recognize you. That's because Jay appeared for like three pages in the button. And and that would have made sense. Perfect sense if that's what it was. But then you established in Flash Year One, A, you read him as a kid, and B, you uh, remember him as even as, as Old Man Flash, because Old Man Flash is like, oh, these old comic books, I almost forgot. So even old man Flash remembers Jay. So why does modern day Flash not remember Jay? It's I okay, theory I feel like the end of Doomsday Clock won't be like Superman wins, world goes back to normal. I mean obviously it's gonna go back to semi normal, but maybe Doctor Manhattan will make their past selves forget or something. I mean, I, I feel like the best way this could end because you've connected all the reboots together and now even Lex Luthor notices that there have been throughout every life me and Superman are linked. Through this, you could use what is the best of the pre-52, what is the best of the new 52, and what is the best of Rebirth and how can we sling them all together? Because a lot of fans love a lot of pre-52 stuff and then there's some great new 52 stuff that came around and then there's some great Rebirth stuff that came around. So... 
if you could connect the best of all three, then why not do it? This would be the perfect opportunity to do it because you could, through Manhattan, through memories that were lost, you could take the best of everything. Yeah, that would be nice. But I think even the worst of some of these could still happen. Like, you get rid of most of Action Comics 252. I'm fine with that. But one title that a lot of people consider isn't good that I still want to be canon is Tom King's Batman. I think the whole wedding thing shouldn't be out of canon. Yeah, no, I know. I think it is going to be. But I, I was talking more like things that happened in the pre-52, like uh, relationships and connections and stuff. Oh, that yeah, yeah, were yeah. changed drastically in the new 52 that people didn't like, you know. Like Roy Harper in the pre-52, like could this be the gateway to getting a return to that? Or, you know, how certain characters acted before the reboot versus post-reboot, I guess. I mean, Superman was a little more edgy. Uh, yeah, Barry was uh, a little Bad more The Bad Family jokes. was way more connected in the pre-52, like, stuff like that. Like, I feel like this would be the best way to bridge the gaps between all of it, between memories, you know? How the... You're right. How the heck is there gonna wrap... Are they gonna wrap this up in one issue? There's there, there's at least ten story plots to go with here. God, and, they... and, and throughout it all, the Superman vs. Manhattan thing is the thing that has to take up at least 50% of the issue, if not more. I mean, you've been building to this since issue one. And I was about to say maybe they'll do like a post-Doomsday Clock thing, but Jeff John says Doomsday Clock is 12 issues, no tie-ins, no epilogues, no prologues, 10 issues. If you yeah. want to know the prologues, the other writers are going to just gonna have to do that in their own titles. So Yeah, so that's why I'm like a little concerned. Like I feel like it's a lot to wrap up because you've had so many different stories and I just and- feel like some things are going to go unsatisfied. Like I, I think it's going to be a great ending, but I think some stories we're not going to get a connection to. Like, I doubt we're going to see an ending to comedian story. Like, it's kind of just like he showed up, Manhattan brought him back to life, I guess, and that's it. But why? <laughs> there was really no need why. Maybe some fan service. I'm, oh, crap, it's the comedian. But, like, who cares? It would have made more sense if it was Night Owl, because he's alive. Yeah, but, but like, what what's the point of having uh, him go after Lex Luthor or Ozymandias? Like, I feel like he could have used other... DCSS. I don't know. It just seems weird to bring comedian back to life. Like the thing about Watchmen is it's grounded in reality other than Doctor Manhattan, and that's cool. But yeah. when you reverse that death, it's kind of just like, huh? Like, why not bring Rorschach back to life? Yeah. Why not bring the team before them, the uh, the Minutemen back to life? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it just seems right. hokey to me. And we're not gonna get like a true epilogue because the very first story that takes place right after Doomsday is Three Jokers. And that definitely isn't going to tie into Doomsday Clock. They might mention something, but probably the world hating Batman. But yeah, yeah, that's about it. But we so maybe you could deal. Maybe you could deal with that story and that, and what whoever the Batman writer is deals with that. Like, I oh, guess I'd be okay writers, with that. Like, like what if Mime and Marionette are here to stay, and now you integrate them into the DCU or Rorschach too? What if he's here to stay, and you integrate him into the DCU? Like. I think I'd be. I, I okay. could see this ending in a few different ways, but okay, will that. hardcore Watchmen fans dig that? Should Watchmen characters be involved in the well, DC universe? Alan Moore, <laughs> or yeah, Alan Moore won't like it. But uh, <laughs> will will that make sense, or will the last issue of Doomsday Clock undo all of Doomsday Clock? <laughs> Manhattan reverses everything. I mean, it, it could pull a big reverse Uno card. Yeah, interesting. I don't want. Watchmen characters stay in the DC universe. I will be okay if it's like Mime and Marionette, or maybe even Rorschach two, with a different code name, maybe as a different hero. But you know, there was a report. There was a report today that there's going to be um, a Black Batman in in uh, coming in 2020 to DC Comics. Yeah, Reggie. Well, Duke Thomas finally <laughs> stepped it's in. Not, they said it's not. They said it's not Duke Thomas. They said it's a different character. It's Luke Fox. Yeah, it's, I know. Not, it's not Luke Fox, and it's not. <laughs> it's not Duke Thomas. Which I was like, oh, okay guess a new character which makes you wonder what's the point of duke thomas but that's a story for a different day uh, uh yeah hero for, during the day for gotham but um <laughs> i think characters that drift johns has made for the story like my marionette rorschach 2 are okay seeing i don't want a comedian to make a cameo in the next batgirl issue i don't you know i yeah. don't want ozzy mandeus to be like teaming up with on the uh, legion of doom <laughs> yeah on the legion oh god no. i can see snyder doing that <laughs> yeah you would you would definitely want to do that but i don't want it but yeah. uh, uh right, yeah we'll get like a, a, i mean Je- jeff is a good enough writer to do this but he's definitely got his work cut out for him in issue 12 to wrap everything up in a good way 
and still have the main focus be Superman versus Manhattan because you don't want that to be like a two-page fight. Like you've been building to this since 2016. Yeah. So it's, it's up to him. Uh, yeah. What do you rate the issue, and <laughs> what's your hype for issue 12? Even though I know the answer to both. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to say it. I mean, I'll I'll give it. A, if I'm comparing every Doomsday Clock, I'm gonna give it like a 9.5. A 9.9. Uh, yeah, this issue is not as good as, say, issue 10. But it's I great. Think it's still <laughs> solid. Like, I, I read it back at it, and I'm like, I like it more. So It's my comic and cover it, of the week, so. Yeah, it progresses. I, I'm not crazy about the cover. It's okay. But uh, I think it progresses the story enough that, you know, it's interesting. I'm just a little worried where they go. But my hype for issue 12 is 10 out of 10. 100 out of 10. Well, 1,000 out of 10. Superman, like, I know we're talking about Doomsday Clock for a while, but... Do you think Batman will stop the nukes? I say yes, but uh, it would be interesting if he couldn't. Where are the nukes going, though? Uh, U.S. As far as I know, because okay. they're trying. Batman's stopping them in Moscow, in Russia, okay. and uh, the president is being evacuated from the United States. So they could be coming for the eastern coast of the United States. Okay, I feel like that's where it's going. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't. It, it would almost be like in Infinite Crisis when that was coming, like the city of Bloodhaven gets blown up by like an atomic bomb. So yeah, I wonder if they could do something like that to change one of the books for the future oh. in the one year later. Because that's that's how uh, that's what happens to Nightwing in Infinite Crisis, right? Issue one seventeen, uh, Bloodhaven has been exploded, and he proposed to Barbara. And then issue one eighteen, they do the one they do a one year time jump in the entire DCU, and it's a completely different story. So. I wonder if one of those nukes could be heading for a... I could see a time jump. I just also realized that Watchmen ended on a surprising amount of violence and death. Yeah. I could see this ending there, too. Killing millions to save billions. Uh Uh-oh. Also, what was that message Batman sent in issue 10? I don't think we'll ever find out. No! (laughs) That's another another story we got to figure out. Yeah, oh, well. Anyways, you rate it 10? or Of course, and my hype is 1 million out of 10 for the next one. I'm, I'm so excited to see this end. And when there's a, the collected edition, I won't be. they have the trades already listed for part one and part two. Not taking part in that. But when they have the complete collection trade, I will be taking part of that. It will go next oh, to Watchmen on my shelf. Yeah. It'll be pretty. Well, I'm, I'm I go just... alphabetical, so it won't be next to Watchmen. But either way, it's going to be pretty. I'll put my next to Watchmen. I go by series <laughs> in alphabetical, but I'll have like a, I have like a special box. For special mm-hmm. comics, so, <laughs> I'll put it in there. It's mostly just my signed stuff, so <laughs> I'll put it in there. Yeah, uh, but anyway, that's it for Doomsday Clock. Can't wait for the next one in 2020. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling it'll be delayed, but hopefully it's out before the year. I up. I think it'll be delayed too, but I guarantee it'll be out before 2020. That's a combo hunter guarantee. Oh boy, it's a combo hunter right. guarantee. It's better than a history of the Flash guarantee. You never hey, know when hey, Joker hey. movies happening. <laughs> I'll never let that down. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Justice League, uh, just the War of Justice and Doom Part Two is taking place. Recap uh, is just for those who know, super quick, timing ten seconds. Uh, ten. Oh no, no, no! Okay, I'm panicking now. Lex Luthor <laughs> and the Legion of Doom. They want to basically enslave the entire world. They have literal the goddess of the universe, Perpetua, on their side. Uh, meanwhile, the Justice League have a ton of heroes as well as the Your World time Forger. Is up. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> Basically, half the Justice League went to the past. Well, I say half. It's only Flash and Green Lantern. And the the Trinity, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, went to the future. That's where this issue is about. Correct. So Perpetua and Lex Luthor are talking, and Perpetua's looking all villainous and skinny arms. kind of weird. Um, but uh, she feels that the Anti-Monitor is coming, and that's why her and Lex will go to go see the Anti-Monitor, because they don't want the Justice League to get uh, take over the Anti-Monitor. They're going to take him, so... It's a fight for the anti-monitor who's going to get there first. Exactly. Meanwhile, in the, meanwhile, in the past, at the Justice Society headquarters, the Justice Society is staring down Flash and Green Lantern. And uh, Flash is like, uh, Barry is like, who are you supposed to be? And Jay is like, uh, no, 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 no. You're in our headquarters. Who the hell are you supposed to be? And he's like, we're the Justice Society. And then Barry's like, well, we're the Justice League. I, I hate the way Scott Snyder writes Barry. And I use hate very rarely in comics but i hate the way he writes barry it just uh, it agree. doesn't feel like barry I, I think that's the weakest part of snyder's justice league which is a minor thing to be weak about but it just annoys me yeah he's written like bart 
Not Wally, Bart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mind Bart's exactly. thirteen in continuity. Yeah, Bart, right Bart is like impulse exactly. Uh, anyway, um, John realizes that they're in the 1940s, but they really don't know who these people are because they've never heard of superheroes in the 1940s. Uh, meanwhile, they're trying to figure out in the future. The Trinity's trying to figure out what happened, and uh, they're finding out that all of humanity is gone. This is why this guy's the last man. And uh, Brainiac's kind of just creeping, watching this. <laughs> he's like watching through a screen, and uh, he's like, hey, "Hey, my little Kryptonian, you'll yeah. learn soon enough." I do like how Brainiac has invaded Earth in the future. Yeah. That sounds awful yeah, for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they actually reveal later in the issue that he's like collecting different futures, which I think is a dope idea. It is, yeah. It's a really neat idea. As far as like collecting cities, now he's collecting futures. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Mara, Starman, Little Martian slash Hawk, and Hawkgirl, and Jaro are uh are together and they're with the monitor and the what's the other guy's name monitor and uh, world forger world forger thank you and uh they they discuss the same thing that they need to go find anti-monitor so uh they're uh the four of them are gonna head out and uh hawk girl is like it seems like she's against anything because she's worried about Martian Manhunter. That's another thing I'm not a big fan of in Snyder's run. I feel like the Hawkgirl Martian Manhunter thing is incredibly forced. Uh, yeah. I mean, I understand caring for, like, a teammate, but I don't like them as yeah, a couple. But, yeah, like, it feels like he's kind of shoehorning them as a couple and, like, her wanting to care about him so much. Like, it it, it just feels forced to me. Yeah. Uh, and that's them having a kid together that's technically from the future but technically not is a little confusing and weird yeah it's like a, another universe that they're just looking after i guess yeah so uh back in the 40s uh they're trying to still trying to figure out who's who and uh flash barry introduces them as flash and green lantern and jay says we'll actually wear a flash and green lantern so then they have uh, a nice little talk i actually liked i, I thought this was pretty good it, it like screamed silver age to me uh the way they talk to each other where they oh yeah they do i noticed that too they talk gold, very classic silver age yeah it's very classic yeah so uh john gives them the briefing on who the justice league are and they have a version of Starman as well but uh they're about 80 years in the future they also have like a hawk man so pretty cool mm. uh so they introduced themselves. This panel was released online like a few weeks ago where they all said their names, but uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And then uh, I do love how they I was hoping they do this. Some characters share the same names as other characters and some characters are still alive in continuity. And John and Barry point that out. So there's a guy called the Adam, but it's not the Adam that we know. So yeah. Barry comments on that. Uh, there's Hawkman. Dr. Fate. Yeah, Dr. Fate, who is alive in our time, of course. So and he's John, a villain in jail, dark. Yep. John kind of comments on that. Hawkman, they mention Hawkgirl. Hawkman gets mad over that. Hawkman does have anger issues, so makes sense. Yeah. So I, I like how they commented on their names. Yeah, and I, the Adam one was funny. He's like, do you shrink too? And he's like, <laughs> he says something like, uh, what the hell do you mean anymore? I've got a full-size fist if you don't shut your yap. <laughs> Which is just like, okay, that's very, like, 40s dialogue. And I love yeah. it. Thank you, Snyder. <laughs> um, any, anyway. <laughs> nope, not the right <laughs> Snyder. Um <laughs> Again, another stupid line from Barry. Like, uh, JS, uh, in the future, do they have flying cars? And Barry's like, well, I do drive a hybrid. It's like, all right, shut I up. thought that was all right. <laughs> I think it's stupid. Everything he says is just stupid. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, they decide that they're going to team up to find out what is happening. Uh, and they need to go find Starman's, uh, like, cane thing. What's it called? The, uh, the, the shard? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's at a military base. They're like, all right, fine. But World War II is approaching because they're in the 40s. Wink, wink. Remember later. And uh, Barry, <laughs> oh, Barry, no. Barry, Barry's like, the first Justice League. Uh, he's like, what I think has to be the first Justice League and Justice Society team up, which is funny because they've been teaming up since like the 60s. Yeah. Uh, in the future, um, they go to the Justice League headquarters or what remains of it. It's like, kind of underground now. And apparently no no people go down there because like it's haunted. And uh, these Brainiac bots come out. And uh, there's like a really nice panel of Superman and Wonder Woman fighting the bots together. Uh, yeah. I like it. I do too. It's cool seeing those uh, two team up again. Yeah. And uh, Batman kind of has a sense of humor in these panels, which I, hate uh, I know I hate you it. like. I oh, I thought it. you liked that. <laughs> I like some bat humor. I like when he's... I'm trying to think of a line. Some humor I like. I like when he's just like, Psh, 
or when he does like a Batman voice on purpose and with the uh, team. I think it's funny when he jokes with the team, but with other people like strangers, I think it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Batman says basically this kid's just like, wow, I haven't seen anyone fight like that before. And Batman goes, trust me, kid, it'd be cool if I was doing it. And I hate that so much. I maybe cringe. <laughs> yeah, that's not very bad. That's like something Dick Grayson Batman would say. Oh, totally. Yeah. Not Bruce um, Wayne. <laughs> any, anyway, um, while the Monitor, World Forger, Star Man, Hawk Girl, and Hawk Martian Kid are on, I think his name's Shane, are on their way yep. to go find the Anti Monitor, uh, Hawk Martian Kid finds out that uh, <laughs> Perpetua and Lex are already on their way to go find Anti Monitor, so they have to hurry. Uh, and then. Uh, there's a nice page where they show some other Justice Leaguers who are on the clock, and uh, we see Guy Gardner, awesome. Shazam, awesome. Green Arrow, awesome. Kara, Supergirl, awesome. So uh, they have Jaro relay a message. Uh, Jaro has to have at least one witty line <laughs> per issue. Yeah, um, I'm not a radio. <laughs> I thought uh, it was anyway, anyway, uh Justice Society and Barry and John show up at uh, the, the military base that they had to go to to go find Starman's uh, shard. And they're like, what is this place? And like, oh, it's one of these new islands that the United States just got in the Pacific natives. They call it Hawaii. Beats New York, doesn't it? And it's like, okay, Hawaii was introduced in that time. That's cool. But what is the what what naval station are they in other than Pearl Harbor? And of course, what is today's date? December seventh, nineteen forty one, aka the day Pearl Harbor was bombed by the Japanese. Yeah, and I Eeks. like the line. They're just like, oh, what day is it? And then one of the characters is like, December seventh, nineteen forty one. Why? What, what, what's wrong yeah it's like, like oh, oh my boy. god that's a dark joke for justice yeah, league book. a bit of a, a bit of a dark joke but i'm curious if we get alternative history here where since you have green lantern who can fly hawkman who can fly do they take down the bomber planes before they bomb i doubt that I wonder, Maybe or, do few, to, or, do they, or do they have to let it play out it's they would probably have to let it play out that's the thing I mean, one I thing that's like weird Tom- is there's three certain characters in some of the biplanes heading over Gorilla Grodd, Cheetah, and Sinestro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, the Legion of Doom shows uh, no care for what happens in the past. Yeah. And Sinestro's uh, his plane's like a construct, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, in the future, the, the Trinity meets the Justice Legion, who all hail Brainiac, and uh, they want to take him down. The Justice Legion's designs are amazing. Justice Legion A. I love the Flash. Uh, yeah, the Flash is great. Uh, I even like the Superman one. He's like a super brainiac. And the Wonder Woman one is pretty interesting, too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the one with the hood is cool, too, that talks. And then to end the issue, at the end of the universe, uh, the former location of the Source Wall, the Anti-Monitor, the Anti-Monitor has somebody work. I thought this was an advertisement. I didn't realize it was a page. Um, the Anti-Monitor <laughs> has somebody working for him and who is somebody who, who could fight alongside to the very end. And the guy goes, yes, my lord, you can count on me. You can count on Aquaman. <laughs> he takes off his hood so, and it's Arthur Curry. Yeah, so Which, Aquaman is here. That um, made my jaw draw. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 when I flipped the page, I just thought it was an advertisement for Aquaman. And then I was like, wait a second, that has dialogue on it. I was like, that's not an advertisement. <laughs> it's a Snickers ad. <laughs> it's a Snickers ad. Um, what do you think of the issue? Uh, I actually really liked it. This is one of my favorite Justice League issues in general, actually. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. well, I didn't really care for the future scenes, but I do really like the past scenes. I like the modern scenes and the ending. Having Aquaman back on the league after being gone for like twenty issues—that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. They didn't explain in his own title how he uh, is in space, but maybe they will. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if they're going to. They must, because um, uh, right now in Aquaman's own title, he just came back. Like it's been yeah. not even a day. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of wish that all the entire Justice League could have went to the past. I felt like that would have been like a full JLA, JSA team up. I felt like it could have been cooler, but I would have liked if a Superman was there and had like distant memories maybe. Yeah. Since he was around that time. Yeah. But, uh, um, what do you rate the issue? I give it a nine. Yeah. I'm at like 8.5, but I, I liked it a lot. I did too. All right, so this brings us to our last segment of the day, which is uh, the episode, rather, which is our top ten comic book movies of all time. Time now, to this, lose some followers. <laughs> time to lose some followers. Okay, um, breaking news: I only have two MCU movies on my top ten. Insane, and they're my ten and my nine. <laughs> Jeez, I have four. So, okay, 
I have more than you, but yeah, we're gonna go over this starting. We'll both say our ten. We'll both say our nine. We'll say why and see if we. Yeah, have you know, that's what I was about to say. We'll do ten. Well, I'll do ten. You'll do ten, and then you'll do nine. I'll do nine, and we'll give like a brief description of each, have, like very, very brief. Do you only have two MCUs? Jeez. I know. I know. I thought our list would be fairly similar. Maybe not. I think our top five will be similar. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Any honorable mentions you want to say first? Uh, honorable mentions, um, the original Superman movie, I think, yeah. uh, set the table for everything. Um, the original, uh, X, X1 and X2 set the table for modern day comic book movies, uh, Blade, um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Since I got to throw some MCUs in my, uh, honorable mentions, I think Infinity War, you could throw out there in the honorable mentions, uh, Batman Begins, and maybe Tim Burton's Batman for reutilizing Batman. All right. I agree with all those. Um, I'll also say uh, Endgame, honorable mention. It's not in my top ten. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not uh, my top ten either. Yeah, but that, that's one honorable mention. So, yeah. Uh, well, being said, I guess we'll jump right. into it. Number ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Iron Man, the original, 2008. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I, I love the tone of the movie. It's dark, but it, it works. It's got great comedic moments, but it doesn't overdo it on the comedy. Uh, Tony Stark's origin story is fantastic. Robert Downey Jr. is first time as Iron Man, but he kills the role. I mean, I think this is some of his best acting and uh who doesn't love next time baby <laughs> okay <laughs> war machine yeah okay my number 10 is x-men days of futures past okay i, I think oh i should put that in my honorable mentions because i love that movie too yeah it is my favorite x-men movie um wow yep wow uh, comparing not solo movies just the x-men alone so uh-huh the prequels and the originals I think it is the best X-Men movie. I rewatched it recently. I loved every moment of it. First Class, I mean, I like that one too. But Days of Futures Past is my favorite. Okay, fair number enough. Nine. Yeah, you start with your number nine. Okay, my number nine is Doctor Strange. I think okay. it is the best MCU origin story. Better than Iron Man. I'm sorry. I think it's better than no, Iron Man. No, no offense. <laughs> better than Cap 1, better than Criminal Hulk, better than Thor, Ant-Man, all that. I think Doctor Strange is one of the most perfect superhero origin story movies out there. It seems like a lot of people forget about this movie, but this movie is not just a good superhero movie. It's a good movie. So, yeah. Doctor Strange. My number nine is another MCU film, The Winter Soldier. Uh, it's my favorite MCU film. I think it is fantastic. Uh, the action <laughs> sequences... Nine. I know. I, I wanted to put it higher, but I put it at nine. I mean, like I said, my five through nine are, or my six through nine are very interchangeable, but I don't know. I, I like the film a lot. I think it has great action sequences. Uh, I think it's the best Russo Brothers film. I know I'll get hate for that one, but <laughs> I, I love Bucky as the uh, villain, and uh, there's just so many great scenes, and I think that's Chris Evans at his best as Captain America. Okay. Fair enough. Jeez. No more MCU films for you then. No more MCU films for me. All right. Uh, Three's on your number list. eight for me. Number eight for me is Watchmen. Okay. Yeah, uh, I knew that would be on your is, list. Yeah, I, I love Watchmen. Um, it's like, I, I love how comic accurate it is. I know a lot of people don't like it because it's over the top with, you know, punches and stuff. Violence, I, I think yeah. it's cool. Um, I love Dr. Manhattan. I love, I think Ozymandias is one of the best comic book movie villains that's not really a villain, but is a villain. And uh, yeah, it's just a great movie. <clears throat> okay. Uh, my number eight is Spider-Man 2. Uh, what? Yeah. Wow, that is low. <laughs> <laughs> you put Winter Soldier at nine. But yeah, Spider-Man Two, uh, the best live-action Spider-Man movie. Uh, Doctor Octopus is one of the greatest villains in a superhero movie ever. But a villain doesn't always make th- the movie. I think this movie is fantastic. I would highly recommend it to anybody. But that doesn't mean it's perfect. It's still like out of all the comic book movies out there, it's on my top ten. So don't don't hate me. So, <laughs> yeah. So my number seven then is the first Avengers movie, not Captain America, like just Avengers. Yeah. Uh, first superhero team up movie, but outside of like X Men and stuff like that, I think it is amazing. It's very rewatchable. My only problem with it is that it's a little slow in the middle after rewatching it a hundred million times, like I have. But besides that, it's like. It's a fantastic movie. I think the third act is one of the best third acts in comic book movies ever. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a good one. Uh, my number seven is Batman vs. Superman. Uh, 
I'll take you back to March 24th, 2016. Uh, young, a young JD was taking his road test at 16 years old. And I was going to go see BVS at night. Well, I failed my road test, but I saw BVS that night. <laughs> and it was a glorious. Um, the movie had so much hype behind it. The trailers were crazy. Uh, I loved the movie. I know a lot of people hated it. I loved it. And then the Ultimate Edition came out, bought it the first day, loved it even more. The soundtrack still, I listen to it so often. I, it's great. I love this movie. Beautiful lie. Oh. Beautiful lie. Chills. Beautiful. <laughs> Literally. Uh, it is the best live action Batman, in my opinion, in this movie. Yeah, but yeah, Ben has great fight scenes. Uh, yeah. But anyway, my number six uh, is X-Men First Class, my favorite X-Men movie. Um, I was tempted to put Days of Future Past on the list, and I was tempted to put uh, Logan on the list, but I didn't put either. But uh, I think First Class is fantastic. I love the folks on Magneto and Professor X. I love that they're two sides of the same coin. And McAvoy as Professor X and uh, Fassbender as Magneto will never be topped. They are fantastic and great movie. I mean, Patrick Stewart is so pretty good. He, he's and, great, but yeah. I think McAvoy is better. And I think Fassbender is better than McKellen. Even though I think the original two are fantastic, I think the modern two are just even like over the top better yeah true the the scene where uh professor x gives magneto like his happy thoughts of like his birthday or something when he's trying to move the uh satellite and fassbender starts crying oh yeah that's that that is a beautiful scene and i love the uh beach scene where uh charles becomes paralyzed i think that entire scene is so well done stopping the missiles and stopping the speech (laughs) yeah um you know i the one the one line that always pops back to me is uh Professor X is trying to stop Magneto from throwing the missiles at him, and he goes, uh, "They're good, innocent men. They're just following orders." And that sets Fastbender, or that sets Magneto off because he's a survivor of the Holocaust who are just following orders. So I, I love that scene so much. It's, yeah, man. Maybe I do like First Class better than Future Past. It, it's, it's a great film. It, it rewatches better. I used to love Days of Future Past better, but this one has become my favorite X Men film. Okay, yeah, that's how long that I thought. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Your number six. My number six is Dark Knight. Uh, Joker is fantastic in it I think Christian Bale I don't like him that much as Batman but I think he strives the best and maybe Batman begins but he strives really good here he kind of loses himself in Dark Knight Rises but the fact Mm -hmm. a lot of people will be like oh Joker is amazing in this movie that's why it's so good but even Two-Face is so good in this movie and Two-Face is like Two-Face is in my top five favorite Batman rogues so just seeing Mm -hmm. a good live action Two-Face is nice so yeah. it's very rewatchable just for Two-Face scenes alone for me. Joker's as well, but I think Two-Face is super underrated in this. So yeah, Dark Knight mm-hmm. number six. Uh, my number five is Logan. Okay, uh, I-, I wanted to put that on. It's my honorable mentions. I wanted to put it on. Okay. Oh, it's not on there. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I just did an X-Men marathon. I finished it last week, I guess, with Logan. Uh, I watched every X-Men movie except for the Deadpool movies and the Wolverine solo movies besides Logan. Uh, I think uh, Logan's near perfect it's not just it doesn't feel like a superhero movie but it is one and it's deep and it's emotional and it makes me sad and it makes me cringe over like gore and stuff and it's so good and it's what a true wolverine movie should be yeah so. logan is the best uh the, the death of wolverine is the best comic book movie death of all time i yeah. think iron man comes close to it but i think logan still tops it uh there's just the emotions attached to it is so great mm-hmm. um my number five is spider-man one you know spider-man films were gonna crack their way into my top ten here they go here they uh, go spider-man one i love the lee stan lee and steve dicko and john romita senior run on spider-man and the original amazing spider-man issues and this movie is just that it's cheesy it has heart it has a great villain green goblin is fantastic and it takes the message of with great power comes great responsibility and puts it throughout the entire movie. And I just think the themes in this movie are fantastic and it still holds up today for me. Okay. Yeah. Great movie. I mean, I've seen too many memes of this movie. (laughs) It's still still a good movie. I I just kind of laugh at scenes like don't start without me. Class. And don't start <laughs> don't start up with me. Hey, Michelangelo. Um <laughs> all right. Uh my number four, Man of Steel. Uh who wouldn't thought I would have the same amount of DCEU movies as MCU movies on my top ten. Yeah, um, interesting. Man of Steel, um, I remember seeing this in the theater. I think Man of Steel is a brilliant Superman film. It's the best Superman film. Uh Henry Cavill is the perfect Superman, and this is the perfect modern Superman story. It, it is. is certainly Earth One esque, but 
a lot of people complain that the Superman doesn't smile and he doesn't care, but that's the opposite. He does care. He does smile. And uh, I think even his love story with Lois Lane in this movie is really well done. Uh, Amy Adams plays a great Lois Lane. And uh, General Zod is the best DCU villain and I'd say a top five comic book movie villain. I think he has Agreed. a lot of memorable lines as, I will find him. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Man of Steel is really good. I won't say much of it yet. But because it's in your top three, a maybe. <laughs> okay, no what's, what's your uh, number? Did you do your number five? Uh, no, yeah, it number, was four, right? number four yeah, for number me four. is The Avengers Infinity War. Uh, this movie gets too much shade after a game came out. I think it is the best Avengers movie. I think it's constantly entertaining. You can rewatch this anytime and be entertained. The chemistry between Doctor Strange and Tony Stark is so good in this. Uh, I like the little teams. I know like you don't see Cap and Tony together, but instead they have their own kind of group. Cap and Black Panther work good together. Uh, St- the Guardians of the Galaxy work good together with uh, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange Spider-Man. Uh, even Thor has his own little subplot to give the best live-action Thor that we've ever seen in Infinity War, mm-hmm. which has ruined the next movie, but <laughs> yeah. it was the best version. I think Infinity War is constantly entertaining. I could watch that anytime and be happy. So yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess uh, number my three turn to do number three. Yeah, number three is Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I okay. think this is one of the best superhero movies ever made. Listen, I, I it's a number nine on my list right now. But I said f- like five to six through nine really shift constantly between rewatches. So Fair nine enough. isn't really nine. It could be as high as five. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think Winter Soldier is so good. It's so rewatchable. It's a. It's one of the only MCU movies that takes itself seriously and there's actual stakes involved uh just the fight scenes alone are so good too like the hand-to-hand combat between uh steve rogers and bucky barnes on the street is so good the knife flip that's like the coolest thing ever so yeah it's a street level movie that works so well as a street level movie so yeah that's my number three uh how about Um, for our next two name your two then i'll name my two and we'll do our ones and we still have to do my number three. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, do you three, th- too. Sorry. My number three is The Dark Knight. Um, I think it, it's okay. funny. Christian Bale's Batman is probably the weakest part of this movie, which is insane for a Batman movie. But Heath Ledger just carries the movie. I mean, just so many memorable lines. He really changed like a whole generation that loved the Joker. So uh, not much society. to say, but yeah. a, <laughs> we live in a society. Such a great movie. Uh, all right. So you want to do number two now? Uh, yeah. So my number two or you, you start because you just did your number three. Okay, uh, number two for me is Spider-Man 2. Uh, the okay. live-action Spider-Man No More, I think it's a great uh, interpretation of it. I love the story. Doc Ock is fantastic. Pretty much all the same things you talked about, but I just adore this movie. Okay. Uh, my number two uh-oh, is Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. It's my <laughs> yeah, second favorite <laughs> comic book movie of all time. I don't care about the hate. It is near perfection. I get chills every time you see the quote at the end. If you see Cosmonument look around you when Superman dies, I get chills during the Batman fight scene. I get chills when Batman, when Bruce Wayne yells at Alfred over his reasoning for fighting Superman. And it makes sense too. It's not like, oh, I want to see who's better. It's like, if, oh, I could go on and on about this movie for I, I think it could be the perfect movie if Batman didn't kill. I agree. It could. Yep, that's my one thing that I don't like about it is that Batman kills in this movie, and that bothers me a lot. Even but, even the death of Superman doesn't bother me because it was so well executed. Like I know people are like, oh well, it happened in only two movies, but yeah, it was still great. I mean that, like you said, music. that monument scene gives you chills. It gives me chills. I mean, if you see the like music. the score, that men are still good. I oh man, so great. <laughs> Granted, I do think that like if there was a chance to rewrite, I would change up some scenes. I would change up the Justice League cameos. I'd either either. I either get rid of them or I put them somewhere else, not just like some videos outside the flashpoint scene. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my uh, number two. And number one, I think we both have the same one. So, uh, the number one is, I think we have the same number one. Yep. The- into so, the Spider-Verse? Yeah, Into the Spider-Verse. A, a, recent, a recent one that we even reviewed yeah. on the podcast. That's how recent it is. Uh, it is a great movie. It's an animated movie. and uh, It's perfect. The animation is fantastic. The uh, characterization is fantastic. Uh, Miles, every Spider-Man story is fantastic. I'm, I'm not crazy about the anime Spider-Man, but uh, I think every Spider-Man was really good. Spider-Man Noir, who you shouldn't care about, you do care about. And mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a brilliant story. And Kingpin really works as the villain. Uh, and it I has just, no flaws. It's a, it's a heartwarming story, and uh, it's very rewatchable. 
great soundtrack, no flaws, hidden details. Did you know that Miles Morales is only animated at 30 FPS while the other characters are 60 until he puts on the Spider-Man mask, then he's 60? I never knew that. (laughs) Yeah, so he's animated a little choppy to show that he's like still new and we're kind of bad at this until What's Up Danger comes on and he gets used to it. Yeah, the the What's Up Danger scene, like, there were only, like, eight people in my theater, and I went opening night, which is insane to me, but... Oh, really? I was in a full... Everyone in my theater, like, gasped when the What's Up Danger, like, the jump and everything is just... uh, Oh, and the bass drops and he swings? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. The moment of silence, but yeah. um, So that's our top ten comic book movies. We had a few in common, and our number ones were the same. Um, So, yeah, maybe you agree, maybe you don't agree. Maybe we're going to get some hateful DMs. Who knows? Yep. Manasio will be my name, maybe 11th. And first class, maybe my also eleventh. So, okay, yeah. I, when you when you rewatch first class, like I feel like you're gonna like it more. Like it's, well, it's I just rewatched it two weeks ago. So. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I don't know. I just I, I love the themes of this movie. It's fantastic, and uh, yeah, Shaw's a good villain. Anyway, um, that's it for Hero Story. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, what do I say at the end? Oh, yeah. Something about <laughs> iTunes or something. Uh, if you, I don't know. <laughs> if you're listening on iTunes, we, we appreciate a five-star review. We're ranked in places like Argentina and various <laughs> other countries for Ayo. some reason. But we'd like to be ranked Thank in the you. United States. Keep listening to we're, us we're, people we're, in Argentina. We are ranked in the United States, but we're pretty low. So if you want to help us get higher, are give us a five-star review. I didn't see Canada, but possibly. Uh. <laughs> you got to give us more rankings in Canada. Uh, anyway, uh, for Hero Story, I'm JD. I'm Hunter, and thanks for being a hero. And remember, X-Men First Class is the best X-Men movie. Goodbye. Oh, that's not your line, but okay. Bye. (laughs)